This episode of the Two Fit Crazies in a Microphone podcast is brought to you by TFC Productions. Two Fit Crazy Productions, TFC Productions, that's our production company helping people with their podcasts. Increase your brand, grow your business by creating your very own podcast, and we are here to help you every step of the way. You do not have to do all the work. We do a lot of it for you. This podcast is also brought to you by ContiFit.com. Get the best online training, the best in arthritis, in let's face it together, facial fitness and rehabilitation, all sorts of functional fitness training at your fingertips. That's ContiFit.com. Also brought to you by High Five Health and Fitness. Uh, virtual health coaching sessions and corporate wellness programs, all the information at high5healthandfitness.com. It is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazy. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Uh-huh. That was where it was at today. Good stuff, always. Repeat guest, Brian Price. Lieutenant Colonel Brian Price. If you have not listened to episode 101, you need to go back. And listen to who Brian Price is. Right? The Forrest Gump of Manasquan High School. All right. Go ahead. Do, <laughs> do a little rundown. He, uh, Brian's a guy that I've known for a long, long time. He was a year behind me in high school. Actually, uh, it was discussed in 101. He was the king, mm-hmm. uh, the homecoming king, and my wife was the homecoming queen mm-hmm. of, uh, of the high school. So, uh, But Brian didn't uh, just graduate uh, Manasquan High School. He went on to West Point. He went on to West Point baseball, all-time hits leader in baseball, uh, West Point baseball history. Uh, up until I think uh, two years ago, he mm-hmm. uh, somebody surpassed his all-time hits lead. Uh, he uh, went on to fly helicopters in Afghanistan, Apache helicopters. He left there. He went to Stanford University where he got his PhD. Uh, went back to West Point as a professor. He ended up running the. Uh, Center for Counterterrorism mm-hmm. at West Point. Mm-hmm. Seems pretty important this day and age, right? Books. Yeah. Uh, books. Advising. All sorts of things. Uh, coaching uh, the on the um, Black Knights men's be- uh, baseball team, the baseball team at West Point. Uh, he went on to do that. Uh, he left there. He went into the broadcast booths for them. He was a professor there. On and on and on mm-hmm. and on, like I said, Forrest Gump. Uh, he is now retired. He's a civilian. And uh, one of and what he's doing now is he's working with athletes and and um, and p- kids, athletes of all ages, uh, all sports, and uh, working on them on their mental approach and mental performance to whatever it is that they're doing. The name of his business is Top Mental Game. Brian is an exceptional human being, is what I'm going to say. And he works right now at Seton Hall. Works with leadership. And then with Top Mental Game, which is his own, you know, idea and and has developed this whole program and just an education in mindset coaching. And this is while he does work with a lot of college athletes, professional athletes to people that are just trying out for their middle school teams, which he says, this just far surpasses just athletes this is you know mindset mental performance and he even goes to say that this is the new norm you know not just for athletes but for people in anything and 
even if you don't think you're struggling with something, this is for you. Right. It it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the stigma that, that, you know, you sit and talk to somebody about your mental game or your mental approach or your self negative self talk or any of these things doesn't necessarily mean that there's a problem. It means that you can now take it to the next level and get, and continue to get better. Uh, really intriguing stuff. I just love everything that he's doing. Um, he, he is, um, yeah, he's just a fascinating guy, and he's and he's super intelligent. He's got his online program out now called the Blueprint. Uh, mm-hmm. It's three modules, uh, and they are. It is prepare, perform, and persevere. And believe me, I asked him to say, you know, why? Why do we need this? What's it going to do for us? And for those of you that are parents out there, or if you're an athlete, or you're someone that's just like, hey, you know what? Uh, really i don't like my job anymore i'm not i'm feeling kind of complacent with my life like this is for you so he has this available online but he does a lot of like he says he does a lot of one-on-one coaching he works with teams he works with you know real amazing athletes but guess what what's more important is it you know your physical or your mental game that makes the difference and it's fascinating that you know this mental training can really level up your life. And as he, you know, and as he states, it's it's the wave of the future. Uh, you know, it's what's coming up the pike as far as um, you know what people are talking about and in, in, in all aspects of, of life and most certainly in, in athletics. So uh, he's got uh, top mental game. Write this down now because mm-hmm. we're going to get into it as we go. But it's topmentalgame.com slash courses. Mm-hmm. And then if you put in there crazy, C-R-A-Z-Y, uh, you'll get 50% off the program, which is a pretty Woo! sweet deal for our listeners. So get on it. Uh, listen to this. And uh, no doubt about it, you'll be clicking on that link uh, for, for my guy, our guy. Um, and uh, here we go. So enjoy this. Brian Price, Two Fit Crazy in the Microphone Podcast. Peace. Christine Conti and I'm Brian Prendergast and we are two fit crazy and the microphone we are where it's at Brian do you know where it's at today yeah hometown hero it is a repeat returning guest to the show everyone way back from 101 and uh Brian Price has come a long way even again since that time how are you Brian Christine, the other BP, how are we doing? I'm doing fantastic. Doing well. Yeah, Christine's right. You've you just been kicking the can up the road here, uh-huh. haven't you? <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of good stuff to talk about since the last time we chatted. And you know what's crazy is that, you know, Brian comes on the show and, you know, you're talking about, oh, well, we knew each other from your younger and he went off to, you know, did this and this and this. And we're like, oh, okay, can it can it get any better than this? And then... It's been what we we just said 
you know, almost two years or something. And we, <laughs> we've just been watching you annihilate the world <laughs> with positivity and leadership. And uh, it's been just amazing to watch and to see just firsthand the lives that you're changing and the impact that you're making. And I can't wait for you to talk about what has happened since the last time that you were on our show. Well, first, I could say the same thing back to you all, because <laughs> two, two years ago, uh, I don't think you guys were helping out people with their podcasts or uh, running. I don't know, Brian, what did you run the other weekend? Like 343 miles, I think, <laughs> is the total. A few. And Christie's now uh, a world, you know, a world-known name entity in terms of uh, base exercises and stuff. And it's just uh, yeah, no, I um, I equally have enjoyed watching the rise of uh, TFC as well. So we swim with big fish only, Brian. <laughs> right, big. Well, it's funny because when I looked back on, uh, I was like, "What what episode was it?" I went back and I realized that I must have had the big bump because Jesse Isler was the guest before me. Which people must have been heck of a disappointment when they're like, "This show is crazy." Uh, yeah, just had Jesse on here last one, so I'm going to tune into this one. So I probably got the bump, but man, I, talk about a drop off after uh, Jesse talking about um, you know living with Navy Seals and all the stuff he's doing. I I won't let you speak this way. Yeah, I, right? I'm sorry. I, wait, I this do is not, not do not compute. I don't I, understand. How does this enter into top mental game? Putting yourself down in such a way. Uh, you're, you're worthy. Uh, touche. 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 Yeah, there's no self-deprecating behavior on this show, unless it's only from, from us. Only from me. <laughs> no, it, we had we had a good run. That I remember that it was a good run. But we're on another tear oh right now. Oh my gosh! You're you're, you're, yep. you're stepping right into another monster streak of of guests because uh, because we don't mess around and we we only swim with big fishes, mm-hmm. like Christine says. And, uh, As you do, yeah, and we're just—I'm fascinated with you, uh, with with everything you have going on. I, like Christine said, you know, I grew up with you, and, and uh, we've known each other for a very long time. And uh, and you know, all the accolades that we went through the last time, and graduating from West Point, and being their all-time hits leader, and then calling games from Fenway Park, and <laughs> being there the vacation, and then flying helicopters in Afghanistan, Book and, and government, then, uh, yeah, Stanford University, uh-huh. and uh, blah, blah blah blah. We go on and on and on, and and you know, it's like okay, now he's retired, Lieutenant. Colonel has retired, right? You're laying down your arms, so to speak, and you and you're entering into civilian life, and you started top mental game. Yeah, I, you know, it's been it's been crazy because last time we had talked, um, I had only you know a few clients. I had worked with a lot of Seton Hall's athletes, but not a lot on the private sector. And I'll have you know for future guests on here. Um, not only do people listen to your podcast, but I got business from your podcast. Uh, won't name her name, but there was a, a local woman that saw my stuff. And then I started working with her daughter and probably had one of the most meaningful six months of coaching with an athlete uh, from that. And so uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. Since we had last talked, uh, obviously, we went into the pandemic. And so like everybody, we had a pivot. Um, and so I ended up doing a lot of uh, what I call boot camps, some, uh, you know, mental toughness boot camps, where I got a chance to work with athletes all over the country, uh, literally from Hawaii all the way up to uh, up to Maine. And that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, I had the opportunity to interview some really special people. Um, Julie Foudy, 
who is one of the all-time soccer greats and a longtime U.S. team captain. She started it all back uh, when they won the the World Cup back in in the '90s, and now she you can you can't turn on ESPN without kind of watching her right now. Uh, Jason Lezak, a U.S. Olympic swimming legend, which if, you know, one of my favorite moments of all time was the 2008 relay when they came back to beat the French. And so he was the anchor leg. By a fingernail. Just, oh, just, just crazy. Um, and, you know, and then having people like uh, Hannah Sedwick, who is an All-American volleyball player down at Baylor, who I just randomly reached out to to do a nice thing for another one of my athletes who's a volleyball player. You know, one of our first sessions uh, with that athlete, I said, who's your favorite player? And she told me Hannah Sedwick. Now, I don't follow women's volleyball very closely, but um, Baylor, she plays for Baylor University. They were in the Final Four that year. And so fast forward, I just asked her one day, can you completely, like, photobomb our Zoom session? <laughs> and in, our, in my last session with that athlete, Hannah Sedwick, All-American, just pops in out of nowhere. And I thought – for a second that my athlete was going to actually suffer some type of cardiac arrest. <laughs> um, it was just awesome moments. And so uh, I've worked with George Washington University's basketball team since then, uh, multiple uh, football, uh, basketball, baseball, soccer teams all throughout high schools uh, in New Jersey. So that's been um, a ton of fun as well. And then I just put all my stuff online um, uh, into a, a course that I'm calling the Blueprint, which we can talk about later. Absolutely. The blueprint. I love it. You're you know, biting off of Jay-Z a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> Over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Over. Um, so, so great. And you're still at Seton Hall, correct? Seton Hall's going well? Yeah. So um, when I'm not doing top middle game stuff, I'm running the Bucino Leadership Institute. And so we are about to uh, bring in our, our fourth class. So we'll be fully operational. And that means we're going to have about 320 kids in the program which makes us about the size of another school at Seton Hall. Like Seton Hall has like these seven different schools. We are actually going to be larger than some of the schools given the kids that are in our program. So I feel really blessed that I'm able to live this life where I'm able to blend leadership plus the mental performance training and put those together. And so, you know, people ask me with the rise of top middle game, you know, is that what I'm going to be doing now? And, you know, instead of doing the, the, the Seton Hall stuff and the answer is, no, I, I, I love doing them both, and it's an opportunity to give back and help people and help them achieve and become the best versions of themselves, something that both of you two know a um, heck of a lot about. I, I love it. I, I love that that you're not giving up one thing, anything that you love, right? So sometimes things get in the way, or sometimes we do things for paychecks, or sometimes you know we, we kind of get um, caught up with, with uh, you know, just getting working just to work and stay busy, but... I, we do many things, as you know, you know, from training athletes and, and Christine, too, and, and her you know programs that are online and, and our podcasting and all that stuff that, and the producing of podcasts. I like having different areas where I can leave one and go to the other. It's refreshing. It's, it's, it's a good change of energy. And it's a way to grow, you know, like um, it keeps kind of life uh, spicy, if you will, and you know, to me, you know, I was listening to your Sergeant Ken podcast um, recently and talking about, um, you know, I haven't read the Love Languages book, but one of the th things he was talking about was part of his love language is kind of giving back in terms of service-based projects. And when I think of like when I'm at my best or when I feel like I'm the most fulfilled, whether that's being, you know, working with the Seton Hall's awesome students in leadership 
or whether it's working with athletes and coaches in top middle game, or whether it's, you know, I've also done a lot of leadership coaching of late too, uh, with, with, with business, uh, folks and, um, you know, high performing helicopter pilots. Um, the FBI just called me in a good way. Um, not in a, <laughs> not, not in a bad way. It's been nice knowing but, you. Um, yeah. So I'll just give you one, one quick anecdote. They are having problems with some of their agents qualifying on the range and suffering some performance anxiety in terms of their qualifications. And so they, they reached out and they said, look, we have some of the world's best firearms instructors, you know, like that, that will teach you your grip, your stance and all those sorts of things. But what they didn't have or what they don't have is mental skills um, in order to kind of help people perform under pressure and perform at their best when it matters the most, which is something that I love doing, whether we're talking about leadership or, or sports, but it's a natural, you know, transition into helping people perform well when they have to qualify in the range. And so there's this like weird dynamic that's happening right now, of all these different, uh, you know, entities kind of reaching out for the same stuff. And I feel like it's just going to get more, uh, you know, it, it's this, we haven't even reached the sweet spot of mindfulness. You know, I, I think um, I mentioned the last time on the show about, I think mental performance and mindset, whatever you want to call it is going to be what yoga was 30 years ago. Right. Right. Where he was on the fringe, you know, the yoga was kind of like, ah, what, what do people do? We talked about in the last show, every fortune 100 company has a built in wellness program right now that includes things like yoga and those sorts of things. Well, I just see that, it's going to be, you know, mental skills and, and mindset stuff is going to be, it, it's, it's only going to get better. I think it's going to, it's in every power five conference it's in every major league sport right now. Um, it's just a matter of time before it weeds out into other college programs and then it gets into the high schools and then it gets, you know, pushed down lower and lower. So uh, I'm excited to kind of ride that wave, if you will. Cutting edge. It better because I have a book coming out in January. So whatever you just said, I can't wait. I, I'm, I have the, did I tell you that we have the title? The title. You teased the title earlier. And is this a first? Because I'm. Are we about to, is this breaking news? I can't. Uh, I can't. Where's my, my sound bite? Where's my, the, my, <laughs> I think my, my publishing company would probably shoot me if, literally, they'd shoot me if I said it because I can't. Like I. What does it rhyme with? <laughs> it's three words, but that's all you're going to get. Yes, you can. No. It's not. It's not. Yes, you can. It's good. And what you just said, I'm like. This is exact like this is exactly where everyone is going. And this is yep. like what you just said. It's, you know, great. We're yay, let's work out. Yay, let's get it's okay, that's fantastic. You can work out all you want. These people are having nervous breakdowns over here. They can't even function at their job because there's not a, you know, a skill set developed of how do I handle X, Y, and Z. And, you know, with top mental game is I think everybody, like you said, needs some sort of mental coaching and gone are the days where, oh, well, you're having a problem. All right. Do you need a psychologist? Well, it, if you're having some a problem, cases, the answer right. Would be yes, right? And, but. but in general, sometimes it's not a, a depression issue or a, it's a specific, you know, according to you need to make better decisions or you need to have you know, I can't and, even. And in sports, it's not always ability, right? right? Uh -huh. we just, like, they call it the yips, right? You get the yips and they can't hit the target with the gun. It's not a matter of them not being able to shoot the gun. They've been trained very well, as you said. One of the biggest misconceptions, I think, right now is 
you know, first off, and I'm glad Christy brought it up, which was there's been kind of a, a long-term stigma attached to the mental skills. I think that's changing now, and people are recognizing that, you know, mental health is something that uh, is serious and should be treated just like you have physical ailments. But I think that, you know, and while I do have athletes that come to me with either the yips, like Brian mentioned, or some type of mental block that's out there, I, I believe also that you don't have to be sick to get better. Right. And you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be like suffering and failing at something for you then to go get help. I, I'll be honest. I work with a lot of my athletes who are already operating at a high level. They're division one athletes. They're looking to go pro, but they're looking to get better. And so this is one of those areas where, you know, um, I'm sure, it, you know, in your world, you all can even find even the, the most fittest people, some areas of performance where they can improve. Maybe it's sleep, you know, maybe it's nutrition, you know, maybe it's uh, balance. Um, but what I found is with, with athletes, the, the things I lo love about it is don't, it, you can come see me when you have a problem, but I will also be able to help you if you just want to get better. And I think that's, that's the most exciting thing. And this holds true, not just for athletes and coaches, but it holds true for, you know, I was just working with a, uh, uh, I won't name his name, but he is a uh, military helicopter pilot and he is, uh, a, right now actually in the midst of, uh, trying to assess with, let's just say, a special uh, unit. And so super accomplished person his entire life. But in working with each other for, you know, we did it over the course of about two and a half months, trying to give him the skills so that when he bumps up against adversity, when we all will at some point in our life, uh, or, you know, with him, he's going through probably some serious adversity right now, is how do you deal with it? How do you cope with it? And if I think one of the trends that has transpired over the past two years since we last talked it's now more apparent to me than ever. I would say kind of two, two trends. One is kids these days are under more pressure to perform at higher levels at younger ages, and they don't have the skill sets in order to cope with that increase in pressure. Number two is I don't care who you are. Everybody out there is battling a narrative in themselves that can be imprinted even at an early age. And sometimes those narratives can be limiting. Oftentimes they're limiting, I would say. In few cases, they can be liberating. And, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to coach people that were like, uh, there's a major league baseball pitcher that is now in the corporate world and has been crushing it. And you, you think that, like, this guy's been to the show, and yet he's having self-confidence issues. Well, everybody's dealing with something like that these days. And so my, like, that's what gives me kind of the greatest fulfillment is working with people like that, whether they're in business or military or the FBI or athletes and trying to make them the best absolute versions of themselves. Do, do you consider this training up or, you know, improving up or do you kind of see it as an expansion out as part of your training plan? So I always say like for my, my athletes that I train for cross country runners and track runners and things like that, when we get into strength training, I say, this isn't an, in addition to your training program. This is part of your training program. This is your training program. You know, you can run a lot and you can do that, but you know, it's kind of like an expansion outwards. So yeah, I guess, you know, I kind of what I'm saying is, you know, is this, is this something it's not in addition to, it has to be part of it. Yeah, I, super spot on. I don't see this as like a, a, a bonus add-on that you can just like do once and then now you you have these skills and tools forever. I, I compare it to uh, physical conditioning. You know, when I talk about mental conditioning, uh, 
what I say to people is you would never, um, let's t- take running, for example. If you want to go run a marathon, uh, you would never, the day before the marathon, do, I don't know, hit training or quarter mile intervals or whatever you have you. Right. And then the next day you run the marathon and you're crappy at it, you, you might not even finish. You wouldn't blame it on, well, this uh, running conditioning stuff doesn't work because I did it once and, you know, it didn't give me the results that I needed. The same thing with the mental game, which is this isn't a, a sometimes thing. This is what you should do all the time. One of the things that I work on with my athletes that kind of gets them in that mindset to, that speaks to your point is I say, okay, no matter what sport you play, when you show up to the field or the pool or the pitch or whatever, I say, you know, what do you do before the game? And they're like, well, I stretch. Uh, our coach puts us through kind of a, a warm-up, and uh, and then we play. And I said, so you just don't hop out of the car and then just go play? And they're like, no, that's ridiculous. And I'm like, well, what do you do to prepare this to compete at a high level? And they're like, well, I really don't do anything. And so yet we ask these kids or athletes to go, or even adults, to go from being in school for six or seven hours or sitting in front of a computer screen for six or seven hours and then go compete physically. And yet we know that we have to physically warm up our body. But what is our routine in order to kind of get this thing operating at its at its highest level? And that just comes down to intentionality and, uh, and knowledge. And, and what's surprising is that even at the Division One level, uh, there's a lot of athletes that, that don't do this. And when they find out that they, that, you know, when they do believe in doing this, they see the results for sure. I think of this as, you know, yes, you warm up your body, but – Every, every, I guess, person that I've talked to about, you know, what are some great things that you do to be on the top of your mental game? And there's not one person who has not said, you know, I take, you know, 30 minutes every day or an hour every day to work on self-growth and knowledge. And maybe that's a time to watch a podcast or listen to a, you know, a TEDx or, or read that book and just take something in and kind of, you know, I always say like kind of plug yourself in and, and maybe it's, you know, maybe you're multitasking and you're going for a run and listening to something or, you know, but that, that in and of itself, why are people not doing this is the question. First off, fantastic question. And I think one of the things is it's difficult to see the tangible results, right? So like if you two were able to give somebody a running regimen, um, and at the beginning of their training program, you time them, and then they go through your training regimen. At the end, you time them again. They're going to see drop-offs in their PR, or you you know you would expect. But with the mental game, it's you, you don't have that kind of uh, in the military we would call it kind of a flash to bang mm-hmm. uh, response, right? Like you do this and you see that. And I, I think that that is probably one of the, the major reasons. The second one I think is also again this is changing right now. But that stigma of, well, if you go talk to somebody like me, that means something's wrong. Your head is you know, not where it should be. And so and the third one is time, right? I mean, like people right now, you've heard the adage, I'm sure Brian has with his mom, which is like, you know, if you tell me you don't have 10 minutes to do yoga a, a day, you need to do 20. Right? Right, like, right. Um, and so, but I don't think that you have to dedicate the same amount of time. I think you can get ahead in the ball game when it comes to the mental game, just literally by, by five minutes a day. One of the great questions I, I use with all of my teams when I start with them is, 
what percentage of your sport depends on the mental game, in your opinion, whether you're talking about running or basketball or volleyball? And so I will have the athletes, you know, if I'm doing a team, write the answers down, and then I'll get all the answers from them. And almost always, like the average that I've done it right now is about 76 to 80%. And my next follow-up question is, okay, if you believe that 80% of your success in this team sport is based on the mental game, how much of your practice time are you dedicating to the mental game? And it's always butkus. Zero. And so, yeah, I think that like, you know, even just doing a little bit, even if just having some type of routine can go a long way in terms of uh, your mental performance uh, during these contests. You know what taught me a lot when I was younger about the mental part of, because I played volleyball at a very high level and that was my yep. sport. And, and I will never forget being in high school, playing with teams that are, you know, top in the country and on, you know, on the East Coast. And we would go into, we would practice in Queens College. So I had quite a trek that I used to go for practices. Yep. We'd practice in Queens College and our coach would bring in these people. I mean, they were in their like 50s, 60s, whatever. And we would get our asses handed to us from, and I will, and you know, they're like, you know, come from work, whatever. And we're all these, you know, highly top trained physical specimens on the other side of the net, just getting killed. And it was such a great lesson from our coach because he'd be like, you think you're good. Wait till you get older and you really understand the game and understand the mental aspect. And I, it was such a good lesson because we were like, oh my gosh, how is this happening? But I mean, really not everyone gets to experience that firsthand. And yeah. You, you want to hear a funny story? Yeah. A story like that? I do. Uh, Bobby Hurley, Jerry sure. Wa- Jerry Walker, and Terry DeHair, and I think Danny Hurley, the uh, you know great Jersey City basketball kids, mm-hmm. high school legend, St. Yep. Anthony's Saint dad. Anthony's. Dad was the coach and everything. Uh, talk about mental training. But uh, they hopped the train and went into New York City one day to play basketball in New York City. Never again. They got their asses kicked. They went home back to Jersey City. And those are some good basketball players. They weren't ready for New York City basketball, though. It was different. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and yeah, they said they like tried it once and they went back. They were like, you know, McDonald's All-Americans and Seton Hall and Duke and all the yep. you know, national champions and you name it. Um, but, yeah, it's, there's, uh, there's some humility in that for sure. I think uh, this quote's kind of applicable here. Um, Bill Belichick is always famous for saying uh, – you know, talent sets the floor, but he says character sets your ceiling. But I, I like to replace character with mindset, you know? Um, and so to me, talent is going to set the floor, whatever you do. But at, at some level, and that level sometimes approaches us sooner rather than later, uh, talent will get you so far. And so, you know, that mental game is what's going to uh, be the difference. And we're talking about sports here, obviously, but this also applies to you know life, business, relationships, uh, all those sorts of things as well. So, so is there a hierarchy? You know, is there a pyramid here where where you know the the talent is would be you know the ground floor, or the training, and all those things? I mean, and and is there you know the self actual actualization? You know, where where we get to the peak? Uh, where does mindfulness and and mental training fit in with that? In terms of so just so I understand your question, you're yeah. saying well, if, you said you know it's like seventy seventy six to you know to eighty percent of the game is you sure. know is is kind of the assumption there or the the you know the common guess, and you know so so 
as as an athlete does perform better and you know does get to a higher level like where do, where does it fit in at the top of the pyramid i mean is it at the bottom is it the foundation is it you know yeah, yeah. so i think what's interesting is to ask yourself who is your favorite player in whatever sport like who who do you look up to the most as like the goat in your sport and then ask yourself or write down what do you think makes that individual special or you know compared to other players are you going to come up with that list of things of like physical talent? You know, I, I think of, uh, and I'm a Giants fan when I say this, but look at Tom Brady. You know, yeah. look at his look at his combine that he had. You know, rocking the dad bod, and you know, he talent wise, he was at the bottom of the food chain. You know, comparatively speaking, from a physical talent perspective, and I could probably go find ten thousand quarterbacks that are going to throw better than Tom Brady, fit more physically gifted and talented. But can you name one quarterback out there that's that's different? So that's number one. The second one is also when you take a look at those goats or you take a look at those the highest performing teams like the U.S. Women's uh, National Team for soccer, and then you look at what their training regimen looks like. All the goats, all the greats, are doing mental performance training. You know, uh, folks like Russell Wilson at the top of his game is has a he flies in a guy Trevor Moad to talk to him for 90 minutes a week and they actually, you know, talk about these things. So I, to me, I, I, I don't think you're going to find somebody at the top of the food chain that is not doing some type of mental performance training. And the beautiful part is, is like as a coach, you know, you, you guys coach as well. I can't coach you to be Michael Phelps or like, you know, to play like Michael Phelps or to play like LeBron or to play like Sue Bird, but I can teach you to think like them. Right. And that's like, that's a great gift to have. I think. Absolutely. Teaching people to think like that would be, I mean, this is, this is the game changer, you know, and with the whole idea of the top mental game, I do believe that, you know, back in, um, even 20 years ago that everyone recognized, yes, the mental aspect is important, but how important is it? And what I think a lot of people miss, and I don't want our listeners to, to miss this at all, is that while you do work with a lot of athletes, the impact of being an athlete and taking that, you know, top mental game out after you're done, because let's face it, um, there's not a lot of collegiate athletes that go on to pros. Look at the statistics. Yep. Look at the numbers. Shelf life. But they do go on to different careers and work for companies and become entrepreneurs. And these are the, you know, they always said that the, the skills you learn as an athlete or working with the team are some of the most important skills that are going to take you through the rest of your life. Now, what, you know, what are you seeing now from, you know, some of these athletes that you're working with carrying to different aspects of their life? What, what have you noticed there? Yeah. So one thing I would say is um, the same skills that help people perform under pressure in sports are the same exact skills that you can use to perform under pressure in the real world. Whether you get nervous public speaking, whether you get nervous taking standardized tests, whether you get nervous, you know, interviewing for a job or an internship, whether you get nervous asking the guy or girl out, you know, that you want to, you know, you know, go on a date with, like all of those things involve pressure and anxiety. So how do you deal with those things? And some of us are better at it, you know, doing than others. The second thing that I'll say is 
and this is a, a troubling thing that I'm seeing. You know, I, I go back to the pressure on on younger athletes performing at higher levels at younger ages. Is this the the coupling of their self esteem and their identity with their sport is becoming problematic. And there's a lot of parents out there that will know exactly what I'm talking about. And Christine, this is what I think has led to a lot of difficulties for division one athletes to transition from that world into, okay, you're not going to be playing anymore or coaching anymore. You're going to be in the quote unquote real world. And so, you know, one of the things I think is that I work with my athletes at very young ages is when I ask them to describe themselves, they will often say like, I'm, you know, uh, I'm Christine, the volleyball player. And I say, okay, let's, let's time out. Let's, let's, let's pull that apart here. You're Christine, the awesome kid, the super smart, special, awesome kid that has all these awesome talents. You're a great daughter. You're a great sister. You know, you're a great friend. But you also happen to kick ass and play volleyball. And it's okay for you to devote all of your passion, time, and effort into being the awesome at your sport. But you better decouple those. Because what happens is, is when Christine, the volleyball player, goes and has a crappy volleyball game, well, then Christine feels bad about herself as opposed to feeling bad about her performance in, in volleyball. And so to me, that's, that's very difficult for athletes these days because what you see is a lot more specialization uh, in sports. Um, and with that specialization comes even more dedication and more effort. And so I like to think that, like, you know, and Brian knows this. I mean, I, we were nuts growing up in terms of the amount of sports that we played. But I think the one thing that I was able to do, in, as well as Brian, is, like, separate your identity from your sport. Because that's that's a dangerous game. To, that's a game, dangerous game to play. That's tough. We were, I, I talked to my husband about it all the time, that I did specialize at an early age. Yep. But, he's, you know, we talk about it, and he's like, but you have to remember, Christine, you still played all these other sports. So yep. while you had that one, there was still this and this and this where you had these other experiences and you had these other, you know, adversities and these challenges and it was more, this one was individual and this one was team. And, and there was still that difference. Whereas today it's, you know, we're, we've already started to see it, all of us with kids that it's like, I, what I, do you do? Put your kid at a disadvantage by not doing it? Or do we follow sure. our heart and say, you know what, in the end, the bigger picture, you know, really having more opportunities and seeing more things is going to put you ahead of that tunnel vision where, whereas this person, like you said, it only has, you know, who are you? I'm Johnny. What do you, you know, who are you? I, I'm a baseball player. Whoa, 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 whoa. First of, whoa. Okay. Is there anything else that may be more important than that? And yeah. That's fascinating. You gonna say something, Brian? No, I, I just, I just feel, I feel like sometimes the sport itself and what they do is that is probably the least, the least interesting thing about that person. You know, yeah. it, it, it's, it's just kind of their. I don't want to say hobby because it's, it is, you know, something that they do take very seriously. And you know, the cross country runners and and the, you know, the kids and the team aspect and like, you know, I love it when they like get on the bus with their pajamas still on and stuff like that because that's the best part about it. And you get to run a race later on, uh, you, you know, like and and yeah. you know if you do pretty well. Maybe someone will want you to come put your pajamas on and go on a bus at a higher level, <laughs> yep. you know, and, and, and just kind of expand and, and on, on everything. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've seen I see so many different types of athletes 
in in just one team, right? You got the freewheeling, you know, whatever. Like, let's just go. They line up to the starting line, or they get, you know, the whistle's about to go off, and they're loose as a goose, and there's no worries and everything. And then you got the kid who you can't even like look at in the wrong direction because you know she's sort yep. of nervous, or he or her, you know, they're just like they 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 they're, they're just a bundle of nerves. And um, you know, so with that said, you know, you've got different types of athletes. Who responds best to what you do? Who is it that is, you know, I don't want to say needs it the most because I don't want to get back into that. It's not, there's sure. not there's, sometimes it's not an issue, you know. Um, how do, I guess, how do different types of athletes or different mentalities uh, work in with what you do? So this is interesting. I think it speaks to the point you just brought up about individuality. So when I first started getting into this, actually around the time that we were um, chatting two years ago, there was... I had gotten some recommendations from people to specialize myself, right? So um, as opposed to working with multiple sports and multiple athletes, there were some recommendations that I just kind of focus in on soccer or volleyball or, you know, and I, I know mental skills coaches that only just focused in on women volleyball players, right? And there's a lot of business reasons why that would be could, or could be useful in terms of like coding in your marketing and all those sorts of things. But for me, I've enjoyed the ability to work with athletes in different sports. Now I was a baseball player. I also played football and basketball and then soccer in elementary school. But like I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoy working with different athletes. And I, I do get that question sometimes of like, well, who's, who's this better suited for? Is it better suited for, you know, well, it must be better suited for the individual sports like golf or wrestling or, or swimming where it's like, it's all about you. And I say, yeah, I've, I've helped athletes and I've worked individually with athletes and all those things. And they say, well, it's probably not good for team sports. And I said, nope, it's good for team sports too. And the reason why, Brian, is because we're all different on how we approach challenges, obstacles, and pressure. And, you know, um, I think I remember, I know I've heard uh, Christine saying this, like when you go to races sometimes, uh, you are the bouncing off the walls and want to chat everybody up and down. And, you know, whereas when you go to Boston, you have some stone faced killers that like, don't want to talk to you at all. Like Christine beat it, get out of here. Well, you deal with pressure very differently than another person. And I see that across all sports. I also um, used to think that women are more attracted to the mental skills side of the house than men because of a the stigmas that have been attached to 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 it but also because when you talk about things like mindfulness meditation visualizations imagery how do you feel you know it's touchy feely and some guys don't want to do that i'll share one quick story with you and and by the way like if if people are bored and want to take a look at my website topmetalgame.com if you go to my test if you go to my testimonials you'll see like all these different athletes and, and different things. But one of my, one of my most favorite was from a New Jersey football player, all state. Again, I will not name him. Um, they ended up beating the sixth team in the country and one of the biggest upsets this past fall. If you can kind of figure that out. So I worked with the team captains over the course of five weeks, uh, doing mental skills just for the team captains. We did visualizations. We, you know, uh, things uh, to develop your confidence and, uh, you know, to visualize your success and, and to use all of your senses. And so at the end of it, I said, hey, you know, hey, guys, you know, if you if you love to write a testimonial, it would be I, I love those. Right. I love uh, uh, broadcasting those. And so um, 
four out of the five did, and this one guy didn't. And so fast forward to the end of the season, I circled back with him and said, you know, uh, hey, man, congratulations on this big upset. And he wrote me the coolest testimonial, which was speaks to the point of like, you know, when I first started working with this, I thought it was kind of, you know, hokey pokey. I didn't know if it was going to work. But then I started doing those visualizations and I had two interceptions this year. And the night before I visualized the play that it was going to happen on. And he's like, he goes, you have changed my mental game forever. And it's like, you know, that's a big, tough all-state linebacker, right? And so if it works for that person and it works for the 11-year-old that's, you know, struggling with confidence and in swimming, this stuff works, right? And I love kind of, I like the spice of life type of stuff of working with different types of athletes of ages. So I've worked with athletes from 11 to 23. I've worked with pro athletes all the way down to the athlete that's struggling to make their, you know, middle school team. So it's great. Once again, you know, you, you, you find a niche and you develop your niche and you focus in that, you know, single point of focus. It's, it's limiting sometimes, you know, it's, it limits to your, yourself. And, and, uh, you know, the, the idea is to help as many people as possible. So, uh, I, I love that. Uh, how about the blueprint? Talk to us about the blueprint. Let's get into it. Yeah. So I, I, I decided to essentially what it is, is I love working one-on-one with athletes and teams. But I understand that there's a lot of families out there that either don't have the time or the resources in order to do that. Um, and there's also some people out there, to, because of the stigma or whatever, they are too nervous and shy to go to somebody like me on a one-on-one basis. So I decided what I would do is I would put all of my content and more that I would work with a one-on-one client over three months, and I put it into three courses that I call the blueprint. One is prepare. One is perform. The other one is persevere. And so, you know, what, what got me thinking about this, um, I'll, I'll share, you know, another story that might strike home with a lot of parents out there. My wife went to drop my daughter off at a, her team was having a soccer tryout, her, her, her club. And so she's already on the team, but they were, you know, attracting other, trying to build additional teams. There's other people that were invited to this. And in the car next to her, you know, my daughter gets out of my wife's car and runs up and, and starts playing. My wife notices that in the car that pulls up next to her, there's a dad and a little girl, you know, probably around 11 years old. And a little girl doesn't want to get out of the car. And when my wife, you know, kind of is noticing this, they're going back and forth in the car, the dad and the daughter. And the daughter's crying. And the dad even got out at one point, I think, and was trying to, like, coax the daughter to get out and go play. And she didn't. And I don't know where they came from. I don't know how far they had to drive. But, like, as a parent, you know, my wife texted me that. And it, like, broke my heart, you know, Um, because we want our kids to be able to go out and even if they're not going to make the team, like, go try. And for that little girl who – like, what does that scene do for the rest of her life? You know, like, does, does that stop her, prevent her from, you know, going chasing her dreams to go be a doctor or do like, yeah. and so I didn't, I don't want that one's like scenario to like stop somebody. And so I, and I, I actually, I put that story out on social media, hoping that that father would see it and then take her to me. I said, I'd work with her for free. 
And so if they're, I don't know if they're Tooth Fit Crazies uh, <laughs> podcast fans, but Who if they're that? out there, you know, that, that thing still applies. So, but, you know, with someone like that, maybe that blueprint, if they watch it and they follow it, I mean, I don't hold anything back. I give all of out my, all my visualizations, all of my tools and techniques, all my goal setting, all my self-talk stuff, um, all the resiliency things that I, that I, that I preach. It's all there. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, and I've been able to look, it was able to help some people out with, uh, Emma strong, you know, absolutely. Um, thank you. Thank you you for that. Please. I mean, I know that that was, thank you. Like, you know, both of you are so great at this, which is like, um, you know, in business, they say usually buy from people, you know, like, and trust. And it's really easy with the two of you. And so I was there one day and I see, you know, Brian's ugly mug come on the, (laughs) on the screen, you know, talking about this situation with the daughter of somebody that he coached and her situation. And then you talked about what you were about to do, which is certifiably crazy what you, what you did. And I was like, just wait. (laughs) Exactly. There's more. I was like, I was like, "I, I can't run. So I was like, what can I do to help out? And this was an easy, easy pickings, man, to like um, do a very small part to help out people. And for those that don't know, if, if you had donated to uh, $100 to Emma, then you got the blueprint, you know, uh, free of charge. So um, it's it's all good stuff, man. It, it was an good. amazing gesture, and it's helped sweeten the pot. And, uh, you know, we, we definitely uh, were able to, to help help Emma out with that. And what I saw was people – doubling back to donate the difference between what they had donated previously <laughs> to pick good. up on this. Uh, yeah. So there was a, a few people that, that actually did that. You know, maybe they donated 50 bucks. They came back and donated another 50 and Hey, even better. A hundred to a hundred. Right. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really kind gesture on, on your behalf because I know, you know, uh, this is your business and this is how, you know, you put, you put some work into it and, and obviously your goal is not to give things away, but, uh, I appreciate you uh, helping you, out. You know what though? That's to me, that's been some of the, the, the funnest parts of that is like, you know, it's difficult. You can't really give away coaching sessions one-on-one, you know, you can, but like, it's just difficult. It's clunky. And so like where I felt the best is um, I mentioned Julie Foudy earlier, you know, she runs the Julie Foudy uh, uh, leaders for, for women uh, uh, leadership Academy. And so I was like, she helped me out by jumping on, my, you know, when I interviewed her in, in one of my boot camps, and actually we donated all that money to COVID relief, Rex Chapman's COVID relief. And so I just wanted a chance to help her out. And so she helped me out that one time and helped a lot of people out because no one's jumping on to, you know, pay money to see me uh, flap my gums. And so it was, I was able to give them free access. Um, there's another organization called Every Kid Sports, which uh, gives, uh, they collect donations in order to pay the registration fees for families that can't pay, you know, registration fees so their kids can play sports. So, you know, I, I'm working with them. That's the, that's the best part of all this stuff is like trying to help out people. And yeah, you know, it, uh, obviously I put a lot of my heart, sweat and tears in there. So if, you know, if people want to, you know, purchase it, that, that's awesome. By the way, um, while we're on it, uh, there, I just put out a code on my thing. So uh, 50% off to any TFC crazies that want to uh, take the blueprint. The, Code name is actually called Crazy, so just type in Crazy in there, and uh, yeah, anyone that's listening to this can can jump on there for for half off. We'll put that in the show notes to make sure everybody can connect Sweet. with that. Yep, absolutely. It, it, I mean, now, there, Christine there, said you're doing something crazy next. Is that true, or was or... we both are? We got <laughs> tell them. Well, Christine. you got the book coming out, Christine. That uh, you that's are not crazy. Oh, that's, that's that's no, that's, that's I mean, yeah. that's just. 
That's brain crazy. That's not body That's crazy. Uh, by the way, can I just tell you something? I have to get this off my chest, and this is so funny. Are you ready? This is great. So I love I love my my company that I'm working with that does business and the book and the all whatever blah blah blah. Anyway, we had this conversation. This is after okay. So the book title whatever is, is finalized, and this is what I got right. And she says to me, Christine, you know, I just think when this book comes out, people are really going to look at you differently. And and they're really I think they're going to be really surprised that you're actually really smart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't wait to read it. I I have been this I've been turning this over in my mind for the last like 3 days of I don't really know how to feel about that. Like did you say thank you? Like I was like, you're okay. That's right. Like wh- all of this in a big what? brain too. What? It was great. It was hysterical. Anyway, that was that was that. Oh, so um, that's the that's the intelligent part over there. We I guess apparently I don't ever let on that I have any brain cells in my head. <laughs> that's number one. Um, Brian and I will be running. The CNO Canal hundred miler in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awesome, right? Men- wow. Top mental game. What? <laughs> yes. what? Dude, I, there's going to be a lot of mental game here. What? We're, dude, we're going to jump on the blueprint. Christine, how? What's the farthest? Have, have you done ultras? Or I know you've done marathons, longest, obviously. Well, I want to say, I guess you know, I've. I can I compare it to you know I've been out there for like fourteen hours for like Ironman stuff so yep it, I mean we we ran the forty miler around Christine's block yeah around uh, the point well, five yeah, uh-huh. yeah that was well, so this will be much more scenic than that just running that loop right that now. was definitely a mental game that that loop when we're on like. <laughs> So that's only like the first portion of the race. The, the, it's this, fine. The way just that a warm the, up. The way that this race breaks down, race we call it a, a commitment race. more than a race. We're just I'm finishing. <laughs> it's it's, it's finish. A, it's a forty mile loop, and then you go and do two. I think it's two thirty mile loops, and then the forty. No, it's a forty, then a thirty, then a thirty. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So they say once that, once that seventy mile once you get done with seventy you just got to keep head you got to head out you got to make sure that you're mentally fit to head out for that last we're going to we're going 30. to different worlds with our mental game in a couple of weeks so we'll let you know did how you, it goes. Did you make that decision before or after your crazy goggins and the week prior? That, that was that was training for for this that was so that preparation. Was, that was I a little preparation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Brian wasn't. Brian was well, like, oh, no, 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 no. Here's what happened. Here's yeah, what this happened. is really funny. We had a guy on the podcast, Ron Romano. You can go back and listen, everybody. He's a fantastic guy, and he's one of life's heroes. And he um, was raising money. He was also, you know, one of the seeds that uh, was planted in my brain for Emma Strong. He was raising money for a guy named Tommy Rives, who is a ultra runner that came down with this very rare form of cancer. I'm actually wearing my Team Rives hat right oh, now, cool. and uh, and he uh, so Ron went out and he ran 60 miles on his 60th birthday. So Ron is in like 20 degree weather with like it, a 45 mile an hour headwind. It was one of those New York City January like <laughs> New York New Jersey days, which is wind was howling. All his and he's hi- a little guy. He's not big. His not hydration froze. It was just like a hell of an experience and crazy. So he came on the show to talk to us about it. So I said to him, "All right, Ron, now what do you do? You know what's next for yeah. that? How do you top that?" He was like, "Oh, I'm running the hundred mile, or whatever." 
Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I always kind of wanted to run one. And he's like, you should do it. And I'm like, I don't know. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah. Christine pretty much said, I'm in. On the air. Well, he said he was doing it. So I was like, okay, so I won't die. You'll take care of us. It'll be great. And I'm like, come on, Brian. And Brian's like, okay. No, so I registered. They made the big mistake. Ron you says, first? no, Christine did. I registered. But Ron on the air says, uh, Brian, you know, you can crew. You can be part of the crew. <gasps> that was it. And it was like, how dare you? How dare you disrespect <laughs> me and make me part of the you crew? Christine. I'm like, he's <laughs> the runner. I'm just the one who goes out there like, <laughs> where's the finish? Now your seat is the brains of the operation since you're the author. So, you know. That's right. So smart. Shh, apparently go. no one knows that I have brains <laughs> in my head. <laughs> right. Um, so that was the But the best part, Genesis Brian, that. is that this guy – like three weeks later, after we're, we both register, we're whatever, he puts a picture of himself up on social media with like a big leg brace because he has like a break in his knee. He cracked his kneecap. And I'm like, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we're only doing this because you said you were doing it. You already registered. He got you. That's it. Man. That was very no dirty. Now. And now it's going to be on the podcast, so there really is no very dirty. Is no backing mm-hmm. out. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get it. And when you, when you finish, if you finish, when you finish, they we're finishing. Give you, we're finishing. Your prize is all finishers get a big, gigantic, like Texas style belt buckle. Is it that big? <laughs> it's a big, like, wagon wheel that you hang on. Can off we your dress waist. up like wrestlers? <laughs> Where is this located? Maryland. You want to be there? Please be there. Please <laughs> go. Maryland. Yeah. It's the CNO Canal. The CNO Canal. You know this. It's down, like uh, it's like Antietam down that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It's only wow. like three and a half hours from here, so you could just <laughs> jump in your car. We're going to be running for like a long time. So call your helicopter friend. Yeah. Can. can no, for real. <laughs> no. Stay home. Just watch the live feed. Just watch the watch you, the posts. You guys put the crazy in, in crazies. Trust me. Yeah. Listen. I, um, now I'm expecting to see you on, at some point. Well, like, you know, five. my visualization, my visualization as we go with this now is I, I am really, really looking forward to visualizing it all being done. There you go. <laughs> Finished. <laughs> like, okay, move on from that one. Bucket list, whatnot. And, uh, I was having some major issues about, you know, like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And then Brian's like, there's no more of this negative talk <laughs> happening. And it's funny because the last week or so, I'm like, oh yeah, we're good. We're good. I'm going to finish this. No big deal. We're good. That's you guys. So the other topic I've been talking about lately is difference between fixed versus growth mindsets. Okay. Have you guys ever read like uh, Carol Dweck's work on my on my? Mm-hmm. I have. Yes. Yep. And so you know, but where this comes in is like both of you do this. You put yourselves in these difficult situations, but then you always deliver. Whether that's the forty for forty crazy birthday run, whether it was you know Goggins and Emma, whether it's was jumping out of a plane for your birthday. Oh, for, that's true. I forgot about like, that. You. But so, but it's like a muscle, right? So when you exercise that muscle and you do that, you know, often enough, well, then big scary things seem less scary to where like most of us, though, we get caught in our comfort zones where we don't want to, you know, get outside of our, you know, but you, you get better at it. It's a life skill um, and you guys have proved it. So I, you know, I just, it's intriguing. Like I'd like to do that someday. I think I'll do, I think I'll do that. And, right. You know, and and it's just you know scary. Heck yeah, you know we we, you know we 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 uh, when we had our meters are different. Like we other had, people think what we 
do normally is something that is like frightening to someone would keel over. Yes. And we're like, oh, yeah. that's like a two. That's like a Monday. <laughs> you know? How long did it take? Um, you guys had someone on your podcast that ran uh, the length of Jersey. Oh, my yeah. gosh. 44 hours. 44 and that hours. was comparable in terms of uh, mileage, right? Uh, 197 no, was about he did double. The- oh, right. Okay, okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Cole gotcha. Crosby, that was uh, that was uh, two episodes ago. He, amazing dude, great story, great spirit, great energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he went he went and ran from the tip of New Jersey down to Cape May Point Lighthouse. And uh, you know, but you talk about the mental approach to that. Um, you know, he knows that it's going to get hard. You know, there's a there's a good opportunity. There's a good chance that he may fail right and like and 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 reality it might be the most logical uh outcome from this you know and uh you you know you got to be willing to try it you got to be willing to to, you know to put it out there just because on a good day you might get it done you know it's and and then you have it forever it's a notch there's a great uh story so one of my old uh students at west point uh, Kristen uh, Grice just became, or she just spoke at West Point's Founders Day, and she was the first ever woman to complete uh, Ranger School. So uh, I had her back in 2010, 2011, and then she went, and when they opened it up to women, she was one of the first women to, to go through it. And if you have a chance to listen or read her speech, it's all about mindset and resilience. And, you know, fighting through it. She actually did not pass the first phase of Ranger uh, school for, I think it was, she failed twice. And then she was about to be booted. They weren't going to give her a third shot. And she goes into the officer's office and they were making the determination whether or not they were going to give her another crack at it. And she, I mean, her body, when you go to Ranger school, I'm not a Ranger. I did go through Ranger school. So I've only heard the stories. But you guys would probably think it's like a... A fun weekend, I guess. I, I doubt uh, it. I doubt it. That, no, no respect, respect. I doubt but, it. Like you know, sleep deprivation, you know, extreme uh, temperatures. It depends upon when you go through the phase, and then obviously the physical toll it takes on your body. And so she had been whittled down over the course of two, two attempts at it. And so uh, the guy says, "Do you want to do this again?" And she's like, "Yes," even though her mind was saying. <laughs> not so much and he goes okay if you can get down and do uh i think it was 42 push-ups uh right here in my office uh then you you, you pass it i'll give you a shot and so she looks at it and goes like i'm sore i'm tired um but she's like i'm gonna give it all i have i'm not gonna let this be the reason why i didn't do it and she did it and then when you see her stories of of getting through ranger school it's just like super impressive but in her speech she talks to the cadets and the one thing she says is like mindset like the one lesson you need to take away from all this maybe from this podcast is like the mind your mindset is your best asset you're going to have days when you don't have it physically you know when you show up to the race line and you're at 80 percent or 90 percent but boy you can always get 100 percent out of that 80 percent you can always you know you, you should never have a bad day when it comes to the mental game and if you can maximize and learn how to be uh, – and to have your mental game work for you instead of against you, that's a recipe for success in whatever you're doing. So I, if people want to take a look at that speech that she had, it's on West Point's uh, homepage. We'll Pretty add cool. that to the show notes as well. I, You know, one thing that just came to mind when you when you said that is, you know, a, a part of sport and, and you know, depending – any sport, no matter what happens, is injury. 
And a lot of times injury happens and you can't train. You can't work. You can't play your sport. You can't do things. You might, you know, it might be a while. But that mental approach, it's something that you can do while you're out that, that is really important. Have you ever touched on that? Do you ever get into anything like that? So uh, not to plug it again, but in the blueprint, <laughs> in the Persevere course, I, I talk about that. And I talk, actually, I have a visualization just for uh, healing, uh, healing visualization for injured players. And so to me, that's a fantastic time. In fact, I've even considered marketing some type of package for injured players because that's a psychological blow to a lot of kids, you know, that they're out for a season or, or potentially even longer. And what a fantastic time to work on, on you know, the six inches between your ears. Uh, but yes, in the, in the persevere course, uh, I do talk about uh, the mental game when it, as it pertains to injury and a healing visualization. That, that's so important because some people, people just feel lost at that point. You yep. know, it, it, you know, we talked about identity and things like that, and and at times it does. You know, if if they treat it that way, it will be taken away via injury. And you know, you you're not around your teammates. All is the other thing you hear. You know, you kind of have to. You're in the training room, and you're not. You know, you're not necessarily working with them. You're not in practice anymore. You miss the camaraderie, all those things. But you know, good opportunity to uh, to work on the the headspace. Brian, 100%. quick um before we before we end today, what I would love for you to do just for our listeners, for everyone that's out there right now, regarding the blueprint, what is it? What what are the some of the big you know takeaways i know prepare perform perseverance now we're looking and mainly you know a lot of people may be you know maybe parents maybe decision makers the people that you know want their athletes to succeed or beyond again because i always say even though you know a lot of athletes and people into fitness and wellness listen to this that's that's not everyone we're all looking to you know up our mental game in every aspect of our life so walk people through what they're going to get from prepare, perform, and perseverance that they need the blueprint for. Sure. So on the, on the prepare side of the house, I do just like I do with my athletes. I want to know you, and I have a values exercise in there for athletes to do. Um, I discuss the mind-body connection and how the, those two are related when it comes to our performance. Talk about things like where does pressure come from. Uh, and, and how do we deal with pressure differently? Like we talked about the difference between you and others at the Boston Marathon. And then also in that prepare uh, section, I talk a lot about goals and goal setting um, and the importance of creating process over outcome goals and, and actually how to do that. I walk you through um, a, a goal setting exercise uh, for, you to, for you to do that. I do talk about the separation of identity when it comes to things. Uh, when it comes to your sport versus who you are in the perform course, I'm trying to teach you all those tips and techniques on how to perform at your best when it matters the most, when the pressure is on the line. And so it, uh, things like self-talk um, come in uh, big time there as well as visualization imagery exercises, by the way, for the listeners out there, um, help me out with her last name. But when you had Natalie on Plamondon Thomas. 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 So I really resonated with that because I talk a lot about self-talk and how it is a uh, performance inhibitor in all of us. What I usually tell people is if you don't know whether your self-talk is hurting you or helping you, I guarantee you it's hurting you. So 
becoming self-aware about that um, and then learning how to change it uh, is, is excellent. If we have time, I'll share a, a self-talk exercise that's fantastic for coaches. Um, the next one is like how to get present. You know, um, with athletes, and you all can appreciate this, when people, when athletes break world records and someone sticks a microphone in their face and they say, what were you thinking out there on the Boston Marathon? You just, you just crushed a PR. They say nothing. <laughs> you know, what they never say is, you know, well, Bob, you know, uh, I really started out really crappy. My first five miles, you know, I wasn't hitting my points. And so I got caught up all in my head and lo and behold, I, you know, crushed a PR. That never happens. And so with athletes, I think the two biggest problems that most people can relate to here is you're either fixated on the past, maybe a a bad mistake, and you're letting that catastrophically collapse your performance, or maybe poor performances in the past in those similar situations, or you're too focused on the future and the future consequences of failing. What are people going to think of me? Um, Who's going to be disappointed in me? All those sorts of things, as opposed to getting present. And so I have a number of different techniques that I help athletes, you know, depend upon, uh, you know, everyone's different, but different techniques on how to quiet the noise, get present and focus on the task at hand. And then the last piece is, uh, you know, visualization and imagery exercises, but to include things like how to be resilient. And so, uh, and resilience, I I put into a larger category of how to recover from a, a mistake so I have a specific reset ritual that I teach athletes that they can personalize to their own, um, how to overcome adversity uh, when it will inevitably strike, and uh, injury, as, as we talked about. So in each of these, you know, in the prepare, and the perform, and then the persevere, uh, there's a visualization for each of those. I give you super tactical techniques um, that I, I, I walk you through, and then I have some bonuses in there. Um I, I have the Julie Foudy interview. I have the Jason Lezak interview. And so, you know, don't take it from, you know, dumb me. Listen to the, the greatest of all time that have done this and that, you know, uh, feel like it's enhanced their 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 game. Uh, so, yeah, long-winded way of saying it's uh, – it's, I'm really proud of it. And uh, hopefully people can enjoy it. I like how he's like, yeah, don't take it from dumb me. Dumb me. Brian and I like <laughs> – you know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> You're not allowed to talk to yourself oh, like that, Brian. That's fantastic. Uh, fantastic. No, All right. There's tremendous lot. There's tremendous value in in, in the blueprint. And uh, hey, at fifty percent off. All right. Give us the give us the quick um give us the quick example, and then we will let you go if you're if you behave. Oh my my self talk example. Yeah. yeah, the coaches that you said yes. you have for coaches go. Oh yeah. yeah. This is a good one. So uh, when Natalie was talking about self-talk and those horrible things that we say to each other, um, sometimes athletes don't know what you're talking about when you, you know, if you talk abstractly about things. And so an exercise I do with every one of my teams and every one of my athletes, but it's funner when you do it. Funner. Listen to me. Uh, It's more fun when you do it with the team. And so I was working with George Washington University's women's basketball team. Shout out to Jen Rosati, former UConn uh, AP Player of the Year. Uh, fantastic organization. Um, good stuff. So in this exercise, I say, I have the athletes, I say, write down on your piece of paper, what is the absolute worst thing that you consistently find yourself saying to yourself in competition or practice? So, you know, in basketball, if you miss an open layup, what are those internal, what's that one internal voice thing that you consistently say to yourself? And they write it down. 
Then I say, okay, we pair up. And we, I say, pair up with the person next to you, and now you're going to share with the other person. However, you're actually, instead of saying, uh, so let's say, for example, my phrase was, um, I suck in big moments. So I would be paired up with Christine, and I would say, Christine, I would have, I force them to tell it to the other person as though they're telling it to them. So I'd say, Christine, you suck in big moments. And then Christine would tell me whatever her horrible thing is like, Brian, you've always been horrible. <laughs> and so once they share it and you hear it come out of your mouth and you're telling a teammate that, that's somebody that you care about, it's awkward, right? And so then I say, does anyone have any good ones out there? And so this girl raises her hand and she's all, uh, she's also, you know, she's tatted up. And, uh, and she's like, uh, yeah, I, I think I have a good one. I'm like, okay, this is where, you know, the rubber meets the road. You have to now tell me what you said uh, to your to your partner, and this is like our third session, so we don't know each other very well. And she comes up to the computer because it was on it was on Zoom, and she's like, she looks at me like kind of nervous. She's like, "Are you sure I can say it?" I'm like, "Fire away!" And she goes, "Brian, you effing suck." <laughs> and I was like, "I'm like, whoa, you know, like." The reason why I do that exercise, though, is because once you hear yourself tell other people that, it clicks. Because I say, you would, you know, how does it feel when you tell your teammates these things? And they say, well, it feels horrible. It feels awkward. And I, I say, well, how many times do you think you said that to yourself over the course of your career? And do you think that's helping you or hurting you? And so the answers are, you know, are simple. But that exercise, any coach can do it. Um, you just have to kind of, uh, you know, be a little liberal with uh, their language sometimes. And by the way, she did not abbreviate in the Zoom call. <laughs> I, 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 I have it on film. Like, she really, she let really you have, have it. it. So, anyways, well, good exercise. It, it yeah. could have been so much worse. I, mean, I, was, th- I was thinking it was going to be so much worse. <laughs> we, would never, we would never speak to anyone else the way that we speak to ourselves. I, I mean, and nope. if you do, then they would do, you, you wouldn't have much purpose in, in this world. And and that's the truth. It's it's a tough spot, and but we have to be good to ourselves. We got to love each other. You know, we got to love ourselves. Um, one of the things I always say is, I'm going to love you until you can love yourself, and 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 I'm going to love you up good. And you're gonna, you know, we're going to figure some things out, and you're going to, you know, get overcome some of those things because that's where you know the comfort is, and and not even in performance, just living day to day. So with our leadership students at Seton Hall, you know, we say you can't lead others until you lead yourself. The same thing happens with love. And, you know, so you're spot on in terms of, yeah, love yourself first. Yeah. Awesome. So tell everyone, by the way, where are we going to find the blueprint? Where are we going to find more about Top Mental Game? Go. Yep. So I'm on all the socials, uh, Insta, Twitter, and uh, that's all Top Mental Game. My website is topmentalgame.com. And if you're interested in the blueprint, you go to topmentalgame.com backslash courses and remember use that code crazy and uh think of brian and christine and get 50% off did you spell it with a y or an ie there's my next question oh i'm sorry it was a y okay so, good i just want to make sure i want to no. make sure no, for our go. listeners listen he spells his name brian with a y too i know, I mean, you know? Well, that's why <laughs> i always want to make right, sure the, the right way kind of so. <laughs> Amazing. I, I love it, man. And I love you. And I'm so happy that, uh, you know, you did this for us once again. Uh, it's great fun always. And I'm, uh, happy, I'm happy that people that he said that he listens still and that no, people he's like are top listening. Fan. He's top fan. Yeah. <laughs> top fan, Brian. Uh, yeah. 
And uh, I know the, I know the young kid that that uh, you were able to help uh, the last time with uh, when you were on our show. And and uh, you know, we take it to listen up, guys. You know, you listen to the, t- the two fit crazies in the microphone. You know, you come on here, you sell stuff. So uh, um, uh, for sure. And uh, we're going to sell some of this blueprint for you because it's worth it and there's value. And you are uh, you know just a tremendous dude. And uh, we're happy to know you. Awesome. Uh, so it's always fun uh, talking to you guys. Brian was initially like, well, let's wait until we get to the thing. And I'm like, Brian, you're going to take my – I've been looking forward to this for weeks. And he was going to take it all away. So I'm glad we were able to knock it out on Zoom. Next time we'll be in person for sure. That's right. That's right. The trilogy, like I said. We're gonna, mm-hmm. We'll are gonna we get the next one yeah. in person. And uh, just the way things worked out, they're doing renovations on my office. So they're banging the nails uh, into my wall as we speak. So uh, all good. It worked out well. And uh, we'll get this COVID thing kicked. And then we'll all be together next time. Awesome. Nice. Good luck with your 100. Can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> luck. <laughs> we don't need luck. luck. We got top mental game behind Prayers. us. There it oh, is. Yeah. Microphone. There it is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. With that said, everyone, it is Christine Conte. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.